Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everything that you, you attribute that yeah I've accomplished or done is because of a willingness to fail fast, fail forward, and fail frequently. I, I, I Chris Gardner also likes to say, start before you're ready, because that is that that is such a, a fallacy. I'm ready, so now I can. No, I don't care how good you think the plan is. None of it matters. It doesn't survive first contact with the enemy. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Real Estate Lab podcast. In this lab, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the most brilliant minds in real estate investing, then turn their wisdom into practical advice and knowledge that we can use to boost our income. And now, let's turn it over to our host, V. It's a great day to be alive and to invest in real estate. My name is Viku, and you're now listening to my show, The Real Estate Lab Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I hope you are having a wonderful, wonderful morning or evening whenever you are tuning into this episode of The Real Estate Lab Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in and listen and support the show every week. I love that you are putting out times to listen to podcasts and get yourself educated about different subjects and in this show in particular, helping you with your real estate investing journey. Today, you are in for a good treat. My guest today, uh, we talk about a lot of different subjects and one of the things that we talk about is how did he change his investing strategy in the middle of the pandemic. Now, there are a lot of people out there doing what this guest does, but a lot of them don't do it the way that he does, and especially not the way that he problem solve and how he changed the direction for his entire business during this pandemic. You will learn about what him and his team did exactly to address the issues that came with COVID-19. My guest today is Jay Massey. Jermaine Massey is the CEO and the founder of Cashflow Diary. It's a training and development brand for building short-term rental entrepreneurs. Now, before Cashflow Diary, Jay used to raise capital and invested in traditional real estate, single-family homes, note brokering, and holding to cell phone towers, commercial real estate, and even apartment buildings. Now, eventually, he built his own real estate investing training program to share with us what he learns continuously through his years of successful real estate world experience with hundreds of traditional long-term housing units. Jay started learning about the short-term rental strategy a few years ago, but then he saw a world of potential in front of him. He built his very own 34-unit, 46 bedrooms and counting short-term rental business from scratch, which he still owns and grow and operates right now. And since then, he has shifted his cash flow diary brand into focusing exclusively on building and training short-term rentals entrepreneur. Now, he has also built a community of thousands of like-minded people from 16 different countries. And he learned from them every day and share his knowledge and uh, bounce ideas off of them 
a lot of other people through his cash flow diary podcast, YouTube channel, his Facebook groups, and then also the annual short term rental summits. You're going to learn a whole lot about this business, particularly what Jay call temporary housing, not vacation rental. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Lab Podcast. I have the king of cash flow here, Mr. Jay Massey. Welcome to the show. <laughs> That's a new one. Uh, the king of cash flow. I'll take it. That's funny. Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, right off the bat, can you take me back to your childhood? Let's say we are friends in um, 10th grade and we're hanging out at lunch. What kind of things should we, you know, we usually talk about? <laughs> well, I can tell you exactly. Uh, if, if, if that's where we are, what we are talking about is uh, either how the commissary has uh, candy for sale or what store has candy available in bulk uh, so that we can then resell it individually uh, to be able to earn some money to go buy probably a new pair of Jordans, uh, but <laughs> definitely uh, some something basketball related. Or new pair of J's. <laughs> Do you play? Uh, I did. Yes. Yes. I have not. Well, I, I don't think anybody's playing right now. So, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, now, the reason I start with that is because your story is really um, extraordinary. I, I understand that you and your, actually your wife had a condition, right? When she was pregnant, she couldn't eat or drink. And then you right. yourself punctured lungs. You right. couldn't talk and walk at the same time. So I'm sure you couldn't play. Oh uh, yeah, there was no, 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 there was no playing. Walking and talking would have been awesome. Uh, yeah, that's exact. That's exactly how we started. But I find that a lot of people in the real estate world start because something that is bigger than their current capacity is what is what is propelling them into the the desire to create more value in the marketplace. Right, and in fact, at one point you were actually squatting in a bang owned property. Right. How how did you go from um, squatting in a bank owned property to letting your friend talk you into being an investor? Well, again, I, I can't say that he talked me into it. I can say that he presented a solution to the problem that we were having. Mm. I, I had run out of, you know, every other, my best ideas. And that's the thing. When you have, when we have a problem, one of the most important things we can do is access someone else's experience, someone else's knowledge, someone else's wisdom, because the problem was created with a certain level of thinking. And, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but every day we wake up on this planet, each one of us as a human being, no one says, you know what, today I'm going to aim for the bottom. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to see if I can do my worst. No, you, you don't. You've tried your best. And that was the case for me. That was the result of my best thinking. So learning to adapt other people's thinking uh, became the option. It's like, cool, I can't go get a job. Um, I don't have a book of business because I was a financial planner at the time. The, all of these things weren't in, there for me. So, okay, I might as well try that. <laughs> <laughs> if I can, great. At least then I, I will be able to go to sleep saying I, I did everything I could. And it just, turns out that the marketplace doesn't care about your own personal resources. It cares about you being able to solve its problem. And if you can solve 
or learn to solve uh, their problem, then they'll reward you for it. And in this particular case, the reward is typically defined with dollars and cents or whatever currency you prefer. So at that time, what did you learn to do and how did you learn how to do it? That's the key. The key is to understand what is the bridge. And what I did not know at that time we is, is we were um, selling our personal possessions on eBay. And then when you ran out of you know stuff in your own garage, you start raiding other people's garage. And then when that goes out, you start going, oh, garage sales. Maybe I should go there. So this is what I was doing. I was on Thursdays and Fridays, be looking for the garage sales I needed to go hit up so that I could buy as much stuff as I possibly could and then resell it. Now, for those of you who have already practiced some real estate, you already know what I just said. I literally would find something at a discount and then resell it at a discount on eBay. Now, I didn't know that you could do that in real estate. And that was the bridge. I find that most of us have skill sets, things that we've done that bridge into real estate. We just don't know that. And no one's put it in that context for us. And we end up doing literally the same thing, except because the marketplace has more value when it comes to real estate, we earn more money. And that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is, you know, more value, therefore more money. In this particular case, with the more money has a greater impact and you can change your position and your abilities and the capabilities because you now have a new tool in your tool belt, which in this case, could be something as simple as cash. Funny that you said that because I actually started doing um, eBay myself. I uh, I came to the U.S. in 2003. That was the first thing I did was uh, I went to Ross, TJ Maxx, bought a bunch of shoes and put them on eBay. And whatever I couldn't sell, I just returned them in 30 days. That's even better because I didn't even have a return policy. But (laughs) I was stuck with whatever I bought. But I like that. But that and that's my point. It's very clear, you know, if you expose anything of value to a wider audience with uh, even with a wider audience with greater capacity or even the same capacity, you'll likely find that you can make a profit, the difference in the middle and the service that you are providing is convenience or even access to the item in some cases. And this is what I began to discover. And then someone said, you know, that you can do that in real estate. I'm like, tell me more because I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Right? I, I was told you had to have a good credit score. Mine was 398. I told you you have to have money. I Literally zero would have been an improvement and uh, I was not there. So it was like, take me into your world, please teach me, show me, because that was the only option left. That's terrific. Now, I know since then you have done a lot of different things in the world of real estate from buying REO to investing in note, apartment buildings and even cell phone towers. Yeah. Um, could you give us a glimpse into the world of cell phone tower investing? I've, I've never heard anyone who talked about it. <laughs> Okay, I totally, totally understand. Well, again, um, it's it's just another type of tenant. I mean, it's no different than it, you know anything else that you've thought of. The difference is, is that the tenant is now this you know construction constructed device that takes up a certain amount of square footage. So they might be you know three hundred, four hundred, five hundred square feet or so, or if it it could be on your roof or, or something of that nature, and. The cell phone operator, uh, whoever it is, whoever has access to that tower, they're your customer. And for all intents and purposes, 
you are dedicating and, and separating off a, a section of the property that you own and control and dedicating its use and access to, you know, the cell phone operator. Their job is to maintain it and do all the techie stuff. Your job is to make sure that they have access to it. And for that right and ability, you get paid every month. Um, and which is the same as saying when your friend pays their cell phone bill, <laughs> some of the money is trickling down to you. So it's kind of, it's kind of neat. But the real value, in my opinion, when it comes to cell phone towers, isn't so much in owning them. It's then understanding their value. And again, it's always about levels of value. There are um, a number of hedge funds and, well, I'll just say hedge funds out there that are um, looking for easy to manage streams of cash flow which a cell phone tower lease is. So whereas you may be getting twelve or $1,300 a month of income, uh, and yeah, maybe it's you know there for 20 years or whatever the deal is that you've struck in, um, what the, the hedge fund will pay you a quarter of a million, maybe even 300,000, depending on what their yield requirements are for that stream today. So then you, you just have to do the math and ask yourself if, do I want the $1,200 a month for 20, to 20 years or do I want 300 grand a day? And if you have uh, something you can do with that 300 grand, then, well, I say take the money and go do that thing that would give you a better year, yield uh, than you, what you would have gotten over the $1,200. And this is especially true because we're in a very inflationary environment. So when you ask yourself, what will that $1,200 buy 20 years from now? I think a decision becomes pretty obvious. Right. Now, were you building cell phone towers uh, on your properties? Or? That's hard because you've got to have the right kind of uh, good old boy connections, if you will. And I don't have those. So the, our strategy is to buy a building or property that already has the tower there uh, okay. because that going through the back door was, well, easier than going through the front door. And that, that's where we find success. Got it. Now we're talking to Jay Massey and you should check out his website at www.cashflowdiary.com. He also has a super awesome podcast with the same name. I actually um, been listening to it for a while. I'm sure you will find a lot of value there as well. Now, um, now Jay, I actually know of you, um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, know of you because one of your students attended the same event that I did uh, in DFW that awesome. was put by uh, the real estate guys. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So he was telling me he was having so much success that he was quitting his job and was going to syndicate an Airbnb business. Mm -hmm. And so then he told me, yeah, whenever you want to learn anything about Airbnb, you should go to Jay. So I'm going <laughs> to... So I'm going to ask you right now, I, I know uh, Airbnb and short-term rental industry was hit hard in the last few months. Oh, right. H how was your um, occupancy at that point? What what happened to your business during the oh, March through May? It was absolutely horrendous. Um, we we are literally, so I think I, I just did the math. Uh, we had, at this point in the year, we are at 168. I want to say 168 cancellations, which is literally triple, triple what it would normally be uh, for, you know, it, it's, it's like 
it's just insane. It was absolute devastation uh, in a short period of time, which was like, what on earth are we going to do? So for for basically from March mm, 13th, 15th, 15th, but yeah, March 13th through about the 16th, I just shut off email because I was not going to, I just, I couldn't, it was, it, it's like, this is too much and I need to get ready to perform. That's the one thing I knew. The only thing I knew is that I needed to get ready to respond. So I just shut off email and I just started making sure you get your eight hours of sleep, drink the right amount of water so that you can get up and think and be ready. And then when I turned everything back on, it was like, okay, got it. So we're 100% vacant. This is cool. Let's go. And that, that's been, I mean, that happened to, to everyone uh, all at once. And it was obviously unexpected. But I've always said where there's chaos, there's cash flow. So yes, did we lose uh, over $80,000 a month of recurring revenue? Mm-hmm. Was that fun? Mm-mm. Mm -mm, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Facing the challenge of going, okay, so not only did that revenue go away, but what you're saying is that even though we've been doing this for years, we have to replace all that revenue in a few weeks. And if we don't replace all that revenue in a few weeks, we've got all of these things to pay for. And it's like, okay, so this is the challenge. And then, oh, by the way, you can't replace that revenue using any of the tools that you had at first, because all of those don't work right now. And that was, that was literally the challenge. And it still is to some degree for many people out there. And that's where the creativity, the understanding, the, what do we really do? What is the value that we provide? Asking all of the basic questions over again, who do we serve? So that we could find the opportunity because where there's chaos, there is cash flow. And as we started asking that question, it became obvious that, oh, the schools are shutting down. That means uh, the dorms and the kids who are staying in the dorms, they need a place to stay. Oh, the the um, emergency responders need a place to quarantine because they didn't want to go back home. Got it. We can help there. The oh, the, the, the governors are asking for people to come from out of state to help the hospitals? Got it. Me- medical professionals, we can help there. Uh, the military is still moving people around? Yes, great. We can help there. So it, it began just a, a, an analysis of understanding what's going on. And uh, there's uh, the main thing to understand is that during a crisis, there's three phases. There's during the crisis, there's just after, and then then, then there's the new normal. And as you reevaluate where you are along that spectrum, it can give you answers to things that you just would not have thought about. And that's what I got focused on. I got focused on the answers to those questions and then just started teaching not only the answers to those questions, but how we got to those answers uh, so that uh, others could do the same for themselves and make the necessary pivots and changes. I love what the what you just shared there because your process of breaking down, like all of this came to you at once. Mm-hmm. Like no one could have planned for this. And <laughs> then you're like, hang on, let me take a minute. I'm going to shut down all my emails. Let me just not focus on the negative. Mm-hmm. Let me focus on what I can do right now. Mm-hmm. And, and just pay attention to what's going on and shift your focus there. Yeah. It was a very conscious, intentional decision. In fact, it might have been like the 15th, March 15th, 16th, somewhere. I did a, I, I even did a live stream telling people, 
This is what you need to focus on right now. And right now, it's sleep. Go to sleep because we got lots of decisions to make. I don't even know what they are, but you got to make them. And you're going to want to make them with the proper amount of sleep, proper amount of water. I know it sounds crazy. You're like, Jay, but what do I do about it? I'm like, I don't know yet. But right now, what I do know is you need to sleep and you need to drink some water and you need to be ready because as it happens, you, you've got to be able to perform. And as entrepreneurs, we do a, we typically do a very horrible job of taking care of our body anyway. Uh, but <laughs> situations, you know, that, that doesn't improve. So uh, I was, uh, I knew that, hey, this is what I, I've got to protect my mental capacity to be able to think clearly and make proper judgments. Otherwise, it's going to, whatever I do is going to make it worse. And that, yeah, that. exactly. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you're still going to have to make those decisions. It's better to have your full capacity of making decision. You know, you don't want to sleep for two hours and then you have to make this it's decision. Work. It's not going to work. No, not, not at all. It, so, it never worked, but it's really not going to work then. And when you're an entrepreneur, there are families that are depending on every decision that you make, like depending on every decision that you make. Understand. Um, just, I mean, our cleaning, what we pay for cleaning, just, just cleaning alone is like 10 to 12 grand a, a month. Well, that 10 to 12 grand is divided amongst a, a number of families who without that, they don't eat period. Well, in order to get to the point of where we're able to have enough cleaning jobs, that means I've got to think clearly on where to go find the customers. Because if I don't find the customers, there's no cleaning job. Right. There is nothing to clean. And it, if I can't think or be in the right mindset, I won't come up with the go talk to the colleges, go put flyers on hotels, go put. I won't come up with the things that can be done because it's too easy to focus on, well, what's happening. And it takes work to focus on what would you like to have happen. So you you actually put flyers on hotels? I gave the direction because part of what happened is the I told them. Um, so when you when we experience that, it becomes okay. The cleaners don't have a job, right? Because they don't have something to clean. But hey, if we still need more marketing, if I create a flyer, well, maybe they can just go put the flyer on the cars in the hotel parking lots. Because remember, a lot of the hotels were shutting down as well. But yet, because they've done a great marketing job this entire time, people naturally were still going to the hotel. So the, the hotel was running, a, a they're running skeleton crews. Mm -hmm. So find someone at the hotel and give them your stack of flyers, even if you just made them today. Because people are going to the hotel for one reason, looking for a place to stay temporarily, mm -hmm. which the hotel is not doing right now. But you can't. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and repurpose personnel. I mean, just because, yes, they, they are, you know, traditionally they, they do the sanitation and the cleaning. Can they hand out a flyer? It's not exactly the highest of, of skill sets, but it's valuable in that in that context. And that so it was things like that 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 you as the CEO, you've got to come up with those answers. You may not necessarily have to implement in all the cases, but you got to come up with those answers. So you, I'm just curious because I know you have a background in photography also. Did you uh, 
take pictures of your properties and then I do the not. flyers? I had to, I I had to, I have to restrain myself from doing those things. Um, not because I can't, but because I have to ask myself, what is the best way that I can protect the opportunity for everyone in the company? For example, um, if a particular task, you know, when you just measure your company's revenue on a per second or per minute basis across the year, and what will begin to materialize is, hey, if, it, you know, every 60 seconds, the, the company has the capacity of earning four or five dollars, $10, $30 an hour or $30 every minute or whatever the number is, then it becomes really, really clear where you should and shouldn't be in investing your time in. And the cost to the company, if I was to take photos and then <laughs> do all the stuff that goes with that, is um, it does not make sense. And that would actually put a lot of people's jobs at risk uh, because I'm not doing what is the highest value activity mm -hmm. uh, for my position. And that's what they're counting on me to do. They're counting on me to build and maintain a system that the marketplace wants to take advantage of and, and so profitably so that they have a paycheck or job or, you know, et cetera. And if I fail at my job, then it, because I want to take photos and, and I do, cause I like it, but mm -hmm. that, that would not, that, that, that I can't do that. <laughs> now talking about cleaning, are, are you do spending more money on cleaning right now? With oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one of the, when, um, Long before the CDC even made the list, one of the first things when you're doing your reevaluation, one of the areas you're going to reevaluate is what is known as your capacity. What capacities, what new capacities do I need to meet the crisis during the crisis, just after the crisis, and then uh, for the new normal? So one of the, it was just very clear. One of the first things that came up is we can't just clean. We now have to not just clean, but we've got to sanitize. We've got to disinfect. What does that mean? What does that look like? And how do we execute that? And then we ended up developing a, I think it was 47 point project list with tasks under each one of those <laughs> that is specifically COVID-19 related. And then it became a training issue. It's like, okay, cool. So now that we've got the, the list, here's the extra stuff you get to do. And yeah, so, the, you know, right along with that, of course, um, uh, you know, and in fact, if you do a small study of the 1918 uh, Spanish flu and what happened from an economic standpoint, you will see there are a number of job sectors where wages increased as a result of uh, the, the pandemic. And the same is going to be true here. And you, cleaning is definitely uh, like cleaning services, janitorial. You know, these are things that are going to should increase in terms of not only revenue, uh, but just how much they're paid either on a per hour per job uh, basis and the cost structure because the cost structure underneath them is also going to change if it hasn't already between your workers comp and just the risk they're taking and the hazard pay and all this other stuff. So that, that cost structure is going to change big time, which is where your companies like, you know, your Disney's and your movie theaters and, and uh, other amusement parks and airlines. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. So for sure. What's your occupancy rate across your portfolio now? We are back to, well, it depends. Uh, if we're talking, the weekends are back to fine, like absolutely like 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, 
during it's the weekday stuff that's still giving us a challenge and that's just and that is directly tied to the we'll call call it very significant uh decrease in business travel so i we're probably in the mid to low 60s 70s uh depending mm -hmm. uh, across uh, any 30-day period right now so it it's getting back up there the the real challenge though is that there's the the uh, the ADR the daily rates are not yet what they should be. In fact, they're they're still half what they oh, really wow. should at this particular moment in time. So, yeah, uh, because that's just what the marketplace is willing to pay at the moment. So, uh, but it's going up. It's higher than it was. Yay! And it's still a thing. And in fact, when you look at um, was it uh, SARS when that happened. It took seven years uh, for the actual uh, consumer spending on travel, specifically consumer spending on travel, to recover in terms of price. So uh, that is not wholly unexpected, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's fun or exciting, but that it also means you have to get better at diversifying your customer acquisition strategies mm -hmm. and that's that's just another area that we've had to improve it. Now let's take a step back to the time, just pre-COVID, even to the point when you first started doing Airbnb. What were some okay. of the roadblocks that you had to came uh, come across at that point to get started? Easily the biggest one. I mean, for me, the like some of the biggest ones are probably easy for a number of individuals. I you know I didn't know what goes in a kitchen. Like I just never had to buy all the stuff that goes in a kitchen. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Uh, and then same with the bedroom. I've never bought all at once everything that goes in the bedroom. And if I did, it's a guy's bedroom, but that, that doesn't work. It now mm -hmm. has to be a proper bedroom. I'm like, what, what is that? Yeah. I don't know. You know, now you want to talk about what computer you need and stereo and all that. I, I'm, I'm, I can help you. That other stuff, that was foreign. <laughs> completely foreign uh to, to say the least and then uh you know so there was a lot of that to, to say the least but then also just understanding the intricate details of what are the daily operations because that was just a constant learning curve because you don't know what you don't know mm -hmm. and to some degree your customer is the guinea pig and you're learning as you go but this is one of the super secret fun things about the short-term rental world is the feedback loop is really quick. And that's one of the things a lot of companies don't always have the benefit of is getting a very, very quick feedback loop. So the time from, you know, customer first interaction to say customer departure and review and how did we do, it's something that you can stay on top of. And, you know, at the beginning we were, easily getting 80 to 100% of the uh, of our customers to review us, which gave us a lot of feedback really fast so that we were able to improve really quickly and develop systems that could then take the place of having to physically do a lot of the work. And, and that was, and still is, the, the place of where we can find the improvement and additional value. I remember there was a period of time there were a lot of... Uh, municipality across the U.S. that had some sort of regulation against Airbnb and short-term rentals. How did oh, you uh, maneuver through that period of time? 
Oh, got it. So, I mean, that's still to some degree happening. And what it comes down to is <laughs> you, you can't trade headlines. I mean, that's not a new statement. But what it means in the short-term rental world is if a newspaper is reporting something, understand they're, the newspaper, their job isn't to report something from the perspective of, here's an opportunity we found and how you can take advantage of it. That's really not what their job is to do. So they're not doing it. Uh, and why would they? What that means is go look up the actual ordinance and read it. Now, this is not fun reading. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it really isn't. But go get it and read it. If you did not read the actual ordinance, then you do not know. Period. I don't you you can't rely on the interpretation because that's what it is by the time it's made it to the news, the interpretation of what the words are from the news guy. Don't do that. Well, you do. It just costs you opportunity. Right. And I come in and I just read it because nine times out of 10, what the ordinance says is some version of, and again, we operate, we have students in 16 different countries. I've operated multiple municipalities in Southern California. Um, and nine times out of 10, what the ordinance says is some form of here's how and or where we actually will let you do this. That's usually what it's saying. It's saying under these terms, then it's fine. Nine times out of 10. Mm -hmm. Very rarely is it, you cannot do this at all, ever, period. <laughs> Even New York, because we had students in New York, uh, cities to be specific, we found a way, okay? Because it, you, but you have to read it and you got to read all of it. And when you don't understand one of the words, you got to then go read the section that defined that word. Like I said, it's not fun. However, once you do, then you, you have an opportunity to begin figuring out, oh, well, then that means if I do this, this way, here, it's fine, right? And then you just ask, and you're like, yeah, that's exactly right. I'm like, cool, awesome, got it. Now, that doesn't mean you, that may not be the way you wanted to do it. Totally understood. It may not be at the, the location you prefer or even make sense. But the point is, most of them, that is what they're saying. Here's where, here's how. And then you, you're the entrepreneur. They, they've told you, here are the rules, okay? Do you either, do you want to play by them or not? You have a choice. That's just, that's like me going to, a, you know, basketball uh, team or court or league and saying, you know what? I know these are the rules of basketball, but I prefer that we kick it instead because that just makes more sense to me. I mean, every time we kick it, it's just easier. That's how we should do it. Does that mean basketball doesn't work? No, it means <laughs> I want to try to play by some completely different rules. And the challenge is most people are just lazy. You, you take the headline they, because the, what, what you see in the headline is short-term rentals banned, restricted. And you then conflate that to mean, oh, I guess I can't do it here. It didn't say that, but you didn't take the time to do the due diligence and that's why it cost you opportunity. And that's why you didn't know. And what you don't know can, has, and always will hurt you. 
I love what you say, then, and I see a pattern here with you is that time and time again, you always take a step back and evaluate the whole big picture before you make any decision. Yeah, I got gather information. Yeah, not yeah. that many people do it though. I, I haven't well, seen anyone that that. I mean, maybe they do it subconsciously, but like you actually have a a, a process. Seems like yeah. you actually just like yeah. hey, let me take I a step back. Because I have to. I mean, we have to make decisions. That is. That is the that is what the leader is doing. They're making decisions on imperfect information, but they got to make a decision on something because the team doesn't know what to do until the leader has made a decision and, and pointed in the direction that we're going. Somebody's got to be willing to point, even if that means you pointed in the wrong direction. It's better than pointing in no direction, and you've got to have a process for taking in and processing that information. Otherwise, you don't know. And yeah, to some, there have been many times I will say this to the team, you know, guys, I really don't really, really know, but based upon everything I've looked at, this is the best thing I can think we need to do right now. That means we may have to change the direction we're going. And if so, I'll let you know, but for now, this is what we're going to do. And that could be the conversation that we're having. Because that's just the truth of the matter. I don't know. You know what? This is my first pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is. Sorry. But based upon everything that I have access to and can find, here's what we should do. And we're going to go find out. It's a grand experiment. So you were not doing uh, investing in um, 03 during SARS? Uh. Yeah, I didn't start my, until oh eight. I oh, okay. closed our school in uh, June June eighteenth, uh, uh, two thousand eight. Oh, half a month uh, before I did. I started in July. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now I, I know a topic that's really important to you is how to create financial freedom with short term yeah. rental business. So now we're at the bottom half of twenty twenty. How do we start? What what should we pay attention to? Well, understand where there's cash, there's cash flow. And just because people, you know, aren't traveling, especially internationally these days, um, it doesn't mean there isn't a need for temporary housing. So that that's number one. Uh, changing the customer or customer type that you're serving is, is you know, is, is the answer. Ultimately, though, what it comes down to is answering that question. The most important question that nine times out of 10, unless someone has ran into me that people are skipping is who do you want to serve? And it sounds like it doesn't matter. It sounds like you can answer it with, oh, I want to serve business travelers. And now you've done your job. And that is the like second mistake is th to think that because it's not. I mean, that's why we have a three page questionnaire that helps you think about who do you want to serve in all the ways so that you can truly uncover the type of business you're looking to build. Because until you do, you're kind of stuck. And that's just the truth of the matter. Because you're guessing, and you don't know. And if it does work, and this is what happened, by the way, this is why you heard so much belly aching and crying is because if you guess, and it works, you don't know why it worked. Meaning, if something breaks, you have no clue where to look for the problem, let alone how to fix it. And that's the difference. 
is systematically, we start with who do you want to serve, which then informs what location and or where, and do I need a single family house? Do I need a, a, a two flat? Well, how about a vacant piece of land? Would that work? Uh, be, and, but most people, that's where they want to start. Because that's the first question I tend to get from someone who's new. Hey, Jay, I got a two, uh, I've got a, I got a duplex. Will that work? What do you think about that? And honestly, I don't care about the piece of real estate. My answer is, who do you want to serve? Because ultimately, they're the ones who are going to, quote unquote, buy it. They're the ones who's buying the time at the property. How are they going to use it? Have you met their needs? Does that person even exist or come to your area? I don't know those. And if you haven't done that research, then, you know, hey, I guess, you know, duplex is fine because everything has worked. That's one of the challenges with this business. It's like it, it all works. It's crazy. And, but until you define it, though, you're, you're going to be just like everybody else. And that's what happened. People just got lucky. They didn't know what they were doing. Now you have to be good. You, you can't just be present. And to some degree, and here's the irony. It was harder pre-COVID. Harder. And that's the part that people I don't think they have clued into yet, is that it was harder then. It's easier now. And that's also the exciting part, though. So if you're getting started right now, one of the best things that you have at your advantage is that you don't have a legacy cost structure. Remember, those who started previously, our cost structure was envisioned with a completely different marketplace. But that cost structure has to be retooled completely from top to bottom, every part of it. You're starting from that way, and that's a huge advantage. That's a huge advantage, which is great. And we've been able to get lots of people started. <laughs> and it's funny because they'll always say, is this the right time? I just got laid off. This is all I've gotten. Or I don't know, but, you know, the news said, I was like, I know what the news said. Listen to me, though. <laughs> Listen to me. Do this and put this and say this and do these things. And then once they get started, what happens quickly is they go, oh, my God, Jay, they're, all my units are full. And, and I don't know what to do. What do I do? Because people, I mean, they're still calling. What should I do? <laughs> go get another unit. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, that's really what happens. <laughs> and it's funny, but that there's a, there's a straight pattern to it, and it happens so frequently. And that's, that's the thing, because there's still a need for temporary housing. The general consensus was, ooh, I do Airbnb, which people think is vacation rentals, which it's all not true. It's just not the case. As nothing to do with people. It's not just about people taking vacation. And that's actually kind of the fun is the fact that a lot of people don't know this yet. Uh, that's part of what still creates the opportunity. So when someone who, who is new, who comes to your world, would you say right now, let's say that person want to start, is it easier to buy a property or to rent one and then do Airbnb? Got it. It depends on the skill set that they have to today. And it's not so much about easiest. The question is, is what is your ultimate long-term vision and or goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Meaning, are you in the stage of life where you are still working to accumulate assets? Quite frankly, for most individuals who are within the sound of my voice, um, it is more prudent. It is the, the thing you should be focused on is a higher return on investment uh, that is uh, 
in a perfect world, tax advantaged so that uh, you can, but with liquidity so that you have the ability to keep uh, acquiring more assets. I'll say that in English for those of you who are like, what did he just say? Well, here's what I mean. I mean, if you had a, 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 a I'll say a hundred grand, you had a hundred grand right now. Here's what I know to be true. You take that hundred grand, you don't buy a house. Not at all. What you do is you go get, eh, I'll say seven to 10 short-term rental units and you lease every one of them. And what I, here's what I know. Within 10 to 18 months, you're going to end up with two things. One, you're, you know, seven to 10 units and two, you're hundred grand back. Now you're in a completely different position because now you have this machine that has produced a hundred grand for you. And usually record time relative to how long it took you to get the hundred grand in the first place. And now you have a choice. Do I double down? Cause that's an option. You totally can and have twice the number of units and do it all again. Or do I take the hundred grand and now go buy something? Now I'm, I'm fine with it because see, you built a, a machine, an engine that can keep laying down payment eggs. And that's the key is most of the time when someone is trying to purchase a piece of real estate, two things happen. You consume nearly every resource you've got to get one unit of production. And then two, <laughs> it, you begin the long, arduous process of trying to save up all of that all over again right. so that you have a second one. Exactly. All the while, the economics of the situation are because you have debt service on this property, a property which, mind you, does not generate enough income, you are forced to choose deferred maintenance or do I have cash flow? What do I do in order to make it work? And it becomes a challenge to then hold on to what you feel is your precious equity. And it becomes like a problem and you have no liquidity provision for that equity. So you, you end up becoming cash poor really, really quickly, even though, hey, I got a piece of real estate. Feels great. But the reality of the situation is you need an, a machine that can keep producing cash because that's what's going to get you through every time is cash, a way to produce cash. Mm -hmm. And that's what ends up happening is you end up learning how to hold assets long-term because we, we teach a three-phase system so that you have cash always. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now that you have cash always, now if you want to go buy something, cool, just go buy because it doesn't cost you opportunity. You pay such a huge opportunity cost if you start buying too soon. It's, I mean, it, it's tremendous. Yeah, I know it feels like, you know, that, that you're doing the right thing and all this other stuff, but you pay such a tremendous opportunity cost. If you did the math, you would throw up and be sad for a long time. Now, you mentioned skill set, right? So what should, huh? what skill set should a person have or need to go learn to make this uh, a success for them? Got it. That, well, there's a, a number of them, but what I like is that all of them can be taught on the job. On the job training is very real here. The one thing that I care about uh, when it comes down to it is, have you ever signed a lease before? If you have done that, you have crossed the threshold for the barrier to entry. 
because it and the barrier to entry that that is basically the barrier to entry is just understanding in concept how a lease works and actually have done that. If you have done that, then everything else is just common sense questions that you already know the answer to. Because if I ask you, hey, you know, uh, what are your own travel preferences? Because like I said, we start with who do you want to serve? Well, the easiest person to start with is you. You know what you like. (laughs) So answer these questions as if it's you. That that's easy, right? Right. And now because of that, we can then from that one sheet of paper with your answers say, well, then you need to be on this street or this side of this freeway in this particular neighborhood. And this is the type of property and this is what you're looking for. Everything else becomes easy, right? Uh, and the main thing is you you have to just understand though how a lease works. And if you got that part, if that's something you're comfortable with, that's why this process this this way of getting started with real estate is so accessible to so many people and i think it's why we've grown and keep growing at the rate we're growing is because people see finally for the first time oh my god i am actually i'm this is i'm doing it mm-hmm. yeah you are and you know that that's typically what happens for individuals and that's why i tell people it's like look you 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 need to be open to Whatever, you know, understanding that whatever you used to earn on an annual basis becomes your monthly revenue, whatever that is, whatever that number was, first of all, can you, you got to be willing to let that happen because some people psychologically, we, they'll sabotage it. They'll, they'll resist that part. Now, if I can get you that far, (laughs) (laughs) then I got to then teach you that, okay, now you are CEO. What that means is We've got to put a system in place so that you are only doing the things that are the highest and best value for your entire enterprise, which means you're not taking your own photos. You're not setting up your units yourself. You're not doing your own cleaning. You're not doing not <laughs> doing anything of the day to day stuff because that's not what you should be doing. And it ends up limiting your ability to grow and your choices and your freedom and capacity. And it takes time. You know, that's why we do a 12-month program because it takes time to transform a human being. You know, I didn't learn those overnight. I may have wanted to learn them overnight, but that doesn't mean you, you can't assimilate them because you're human. I'm sorry, you're not a robot. It's not how it works, you know? Um, but you can make a lot of progress faster than you've ever been challenged to before. And that's, I think, the part that we do very well is challenging you to step into the greatness that we believe that you were born to be and is creating the environment to allow you to discover, wow, I, I can do this. <laughs> and that's, that's, hearing the transformation, there is nothing, there's, there's nothing like it. Because on a call, uh, I think it was like three weeks ago, a gentleman who was just getting started was like, okay, I'm in. But I got, I don't have any more money. I don't have this, but I got these three landlords that, that say that they're ready. And, but I don't have any money, Jay. So should I put that on hold? And I told them, put what on hold? Because I didn't understand. He's like, yeah, should I stop talking to them while I go find the money? I'm like, no, why? He's like, but because I don't have the money. I was like, oh, got it. So you think because you don't have the money that you can't do the deal? Is that, is that the issue? And he was like, yeah. Okay, well, here, 
I, and I gave him a very simple script. And then I said, now here's what I want you to do. Now see, and this is the part where the rubber meets the road. Here's what I want you to do. Because if, I, if you give someone a script or tell them what to say, nine times out of 10, they'll, they'll get around to saying it, but they won't say it enough times, right? <laughs> they won't give it time. But so, or they'll say, well, I don't, now who do I call? I don't have anybody to call. Well, that's also a lie because every one of you listening, you have at least 200 names in your phone right now, right? And so I gave him a script and then I said, now go say this and say it to these people. And then I just asked him, do you have a cell phone? He's like, yeah. Like, are there names in your cell phone? Yes. Cool. How many? (laughs) (laughs) And then it became a very, very simple process of saying, cool. Now, what I want you to do is go say the script exactly as I've given it to you to every person in your uh, phone, all of them. And I don't want you telling me, well, but Jay, they don't have money. I don't care because you're going to call them anyway. And this is what you're going to say. 72 hours later, he comes back and says, and I quote, it was so funny. He's like, well, I was like, how's it going? He's like, yeah, well, Jay, I'm like, yes. I don't have a money problem anymore. (laughs) That's good to hear hear because see what we don't realize is that oftentimes the resources that we're looking for, they're they're in front of us. They're near us. They're all around us, but we never asked. You never thought to ask and no one goes around volunteering, right? Hey, you know, your best friend could be the solution. And even if they're not, You know who they know? Another 200 people who might be. So at the end of the day, it it has, the rubber has to meet the road. And if you are willing to do that, this opportunity is accessible for any human being on the planet. Mm -hmm. So long as you have the legal right in your country uh, or wherever you want to do business to own or control property. If you can, if you have the legal capacity to sign a lease and have it be an enforceable contract, Great. Let's go. Now, I was going to ask you this, but you touched on this uh, briefly already. Um, okay. Could you say, like, would you say, do you need more money or do you need more experience in this business to make it a success? Experience by far. Um, because this is the only real estate related strategy that I am aware of. And I have tried a lot of them. <laughs> 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 Where you, have not just enough revenue, but enough net profit to truly self-fund. What I mean by that is uh, many individuals, they, they may have, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 grand, 75, whatever. That, that's, that's their pot. That's what they got to work with. And many of those same individuals, that's all they ever had. And yet now they have grown well beyond that because the revenue of the existing operations was more, uh, was, was large enough, fast enough, all of the enoughs to be able to give them the capacity to expand. And then we teach them additional financing strategies uh, that allows them to use some of their future revenue uh, to be able to a, a, a acquire more locations today, which then also accelerates. Uh, and, and those are the things that we bring to the table to help make sure that people can get to the seven, 10, somewhere between seven and 10 units for most uh, individuals, I should say seven to 10 bedrooms for most individuals will put them out of their existing job. Uh, And 
that's and when you realize how little time that takes on a day to day basis, it's suddenly like, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my day? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why we frequently get people up into the teens and uh, to to the low teens and twenties, which is where they experience their next hurdle, at least mentally and emotionally, is because now we really, really start hammering on. You have to hire a customer experience team, which, you know, is a team of four to six people who are interacting on your behalf uh, with your customers who you have now gotten used to, which means you have to learn to develop SOPs, mm. standard operating procedures, and teach and train that to, to them. Somebody, it's got to happen. Otherwise, you're going to stay. That's the next hurdle and you get stuck. But those who make that leap, oh my God, if they make that leap, then it becomes literally game on because once you've built that, you can get to we, we, <laughs> hundreds of locations, easy, uh, all day long. And that's what, um, I mean, we have students who have done that and, and all kinds of crazy stuff because it, it's just a matter of continuing to be willing to in, evolve because you and I will never out-earn our personal growth. That's right. Now, in so at that point, do they outsource to a third party or are they taking on full-time employees to the... Uh, we well, depends uh, because the uh, economics of the situation are such that a, a properly structured customer experience position uh, can be 100% virtual, right? So if you take the time to build the infrastructure and you give your team everything that they need, that position can be 100% virtual, which gives you access to other uh, uh, geographic uh, marketplaces where the cost of living is significantly less. So, which makes it very possible for you, you know, for a few hundred dollars a month to actually have someone working full time. So th those are the things that, again, but if you didn't build the system properly from the beginning, it doesn't matter. It won't work. But you, you've got to build the infrastructure right. And then, yeah, long term, you can uh, definitely take advantage of some of the inconsistencies across the globe. Mm -hmm. That's not to say you couldn't do it 100 uh, percent in person, because it's also relative to the customer type and the experience you're trying to provide. If, you know, Nordstrom, Target and Walmart, they sell very similar products in some cases. But the experience when you go to Nordstrom, whenever it's open again, uh, when you <laughs> is different than when you go to Walmart. And that's by design. And you can do the same thing here. You know, there is the higher end version of temporary housing for those. I mean, we have definitely worked with movie studios and names that, you know, it, it's part of it. They, they need temporary housing too. So, you know, and if you're working at that level, then yeah, you, you have more ability to solve or to maybe even hire even more locally than we already do. Now, I know you have a program where you teach people how to do this and get started. You mentioned uh, about that uh, throughout this podcast episode. Could you, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I know um, it's called the Roadmap to Retirement, is it correct? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more about the program, what I haven't asked so far? What's it sure, about? sure. Well, here's what happened and what I truly understand. Back in 07, 08, like we started talking about, a series of things started happening to and for me and my wife. 
And as we continued to respond to those things, new resources, new learnings came to be. And it was a process of becoming something different than what we were and understanding how to leverage and create value as the marketplace continued to ebb and flow and to change and, and whatnot. And a lot of that had to do with not just the technical, how do you do real estate? There was a lot of outside influence and other disciplines that mattered and make the difference. And being able to pull all of that together then creates the result. The same is true, will be true for each and every person that endeavors to do anything great. I mean, never once, you know, does someone go, hey, I want to do real estate and realize that that may eventually mean you need to create content and have a podcast and a YouTube channel. (laughs) I didn't know that that was part of it. Right. But when you find out, you're like, oh, well, interesting, (laughs) you know, and you have a new choice to make. So what we've done with the roadmap is to literally take you from where you are, wherever that might be, and, and paint a picture of the person that you need to become in order to make this happen. Because while I may say you need to go hire a, a customer experience team, of four to six people, and once you're at this stage, in and of itself, that sounds like, oh, I now, now I know, check that off. I don't need anything else, which the soon as the first steps, the next step, as soon as you attempt to try to do that, mm-hmm. I promise you, 2,000 questions will hit you that you did not know, did not think about, you don't know what the best practice is, and you're looking now for a new resource. And some people, well, they won't take all the time it takes to look to find all of the resources. And what we've done is we've put all of that in one very easy to consume, highly accountable package where you get a dedicated accountability coach. Because again, it's not about information. You can, Google's got that. Wonderful. We're here to help you actually do it. <laughs> Whatever that means, you know, just because you know it, if you haven't done it, that's the difference. And that's where we, we stick right there. You know, you, you have a, like I said, a dedicated coach who's been there and done that in a lot of cases, they, they already know they've been through what you are trying to do. And then you've surrounded with a community of individuals who are doing the same thing. And we're not just halfway kind of doing it on a part-time basis. If all you're looking for is one unit, we're not the place. We're just not. If you're looking for half a million, three quarters of a million, a million or more, we're the place. What we do, okay? <laughs> and we, we And we do so in such a way that, yes, it will require you to stretch and change and grow, and you will be confronted with yourself a lot. And that's okay, because that's a part of the process. And you, you'll be surrounded by people who will cheer you on, pick you up. Some of who are probably actually in your city, depending on where you are, because, you know, together, we're able to actually make more progress and, and be that much more impactful. And we just put it in a structured system that continues to evolve because, hey, you know what? When we first thought of this, there was no pandemic. And fortunately... <laughs> those who were in the program, as the pandemic hit, you know what they got access to? All of the real time stuff. Because see, you you couldn't, have, you can't Google how do I run my short term rental business in a pandemic? Because you couldn't, have, you just how do you do that? Google didn't know, right? So we had to develop real time knowledge 
and disseminate real-time knowledge. And it gave us the ability to do that so that not only could people maintain, but they've expanded. Jay, you have been so terrific on the show today. I would like to thank you, you so much for your time. And I just have one last question before I let you go. Okay. So what's your most favorite success or mindset quote? Fell fast, fell forward, fell frequently. That's awesome. That's the end. <laughs> I mean, everything that everything that you you attribute that yeah I've accomplished or done is because of a willingness to fail fast, fail forward, and fail frequently. Uh, I uh, Chris Gardner also likes to say, "Start before you're ready," because mm. that is that. <laughs> That is such a, a fallacy. I'm ready, so now I can. No, I don't care how good you think the plan is. None of it matters. It doesn't survive first contact with the enemy, period. As soon as you have contact with the customer, with the, the, with the challenge, with every, it, it doesn't survive. So go. Fail forward, fail fast, fail frequently. Start before you're ready. Pay attention to that feedback loop. I can't even tell you that that is by far the best ever. I am so relieved that the feedback loop in the short-term rental world is as fast as it is because inside the traditional real estate landlord world, you don't get feedback. <laughs> you don't know. Did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? When's the last time a realtor or when you wrote an offer, someone came back and said, well, here's what you did wrong and how I would have accepted it and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Never. Right. You don't know. And it takes forever to get better because you're not getting the feedback. And here, it's one of the most valuable things that we've got is that even if you get a one-star review, you got feedback and you got it faster. And now you can do something. You can do something about it. And being in that mindset, I, I think ultimately that's how, how, how you get to be the parent you want to be. You get to be the friend that you want to be, the the husband, the 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 significant, the whatever you want to be is on the other side of all of that willingness. And it doesn't seem like it directly, but the two go hand in hand. And as they do, you're able to create more value. And when you create more value in the marketplace, it gives you more choices and options. You know, nothing beats knowing that no matter what happens. Even if there's a pandemic, you've got the skill set to figure it out. That's deep. Now, thank you so much for all your insight there. Um, the um, for those of you that are listening, I encourage you to go check out Jay's podcast, Cash Flow Diary. Uh, subscribe to it, leave a review. Um, yes, please give a rating as well on iTunes. And now, Jay, do you have any last words for the audience? Um, here's what I will say. We've talked about a lot of things. By far, one of the most important things you could do for yourself today, right now, is to decide on one. I don't care which one, just one. One new something that hit you that was like, oh, yeah, that made sense to me. And do yourself, love yourself enough within the next 24 to 48 hours to not just do it, but tell somebody. Let them hold you accountable and enjoy that process. Here's what I'm going to do. I listened to this. 
this is what I learned. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to get it done within the next 24, 48 hours. And then you know what? At the end of that 24 and 48 hours, do it again. One more time, because it'll be fun. If you are willing to do that, then your life will begin changing very quickly, faster than you think, because there's greatness inside of you. I'm just trying to give you a reason to let it out. That's the end of the show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-stars rating and review on iTunes for the Real Estate Lab podcast. Until next time, have a prolific week.